Welcome to SMFMS Bookends, a satellite show for Save Me From My Shelf, coming out every week after our proper episode. On this show, we read listener letters, answer questions, include extra analysis and episode outtakes, and have a brief chat about the things we're currently reading, watching, or playing. Hello, you are listening to Save Me From My Shelf Bookends. Toad in the hole over here is Daniel. Hmm, yeah, what's that going to be? Something with a sausage in it. Or something to do with frogs. Or toads. <laughs> World's my oyster, really. <laughs> Uh, uh, corn dog. Yeah, is Abby. So let's do some brief updates, Daniel. I haven't checked in with you. How are your boots after you got diddled by a dodgy cobbler? I think they're looking all right. I'll show them to oh, you. Oh, show me. Um, they've got a tread. It was previously it was just flat. I think that's good for you. I think it's good for me too. Yeah, exactly. They're going yeah. well so far. Okay. I think this. I think I'm going to say if these last a year, it'll have been worth it. Okay. Well, they, so, they look nice. You look you. well shod. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, show it to the microphone. <laughs> You're sure? Yeah. You just did a gymnastics move. You know how, like, when girls lift their leg up and, like, put it around their neck or whatever? Daniel almost did that, and I did not know you were so, like, wiry. Limber. But you lifted your leg up like that like, yeah, and just... showed it to the microphone. Uh, I might hear it. Who knows? Okay. Should have done before and after shots, really. I should have shown my old soul <laughs> to the... You've got an old soul. Well, yeah. So we also have to catch up on New Year's Day. Because I said in the end of your wrap-up that I text you every New Year's Day to find out if you're crying and which musician from the big BBC concert has made you cry. How was your New Year's Day? Did you cry? Was it Strauss? I didn't cry. That concert, they do it in Vienna. It's, it's always a lot of Strauss. It's okay. terrible music. You don't like a waltz. No, I don't. I don't. I don't like that music at all. But why do you do this to yourself? You well, can... it's become a ritual now. But normally I'm hungover, so it's like, what else are you gonna do? I wasn't hungover this time, <laughs> so and I just put myself through the magic anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit schmaltzy. A lot of dignitaries in the crowd. Yep, there so, would be. So, did uh, you learn how to waltz? Have you picked that up? I'm more of a polka kind of guy. Do you actually know no, how to... Okay. just saying that. How was your um, evil Christmas? Dark Christmas. It was delightful, and I got a new dressing gown. It's very beautiful, and I'm very happy with it. Oh, wow. Good. So, I didn't know if you had... Are you the sort of person who tallies up how many books you read in 2023? How many episodes? Oh, <laughs> so right there. I think uh, we had, what, 19? 18 or 19? About 19, 18 books, I'd say. Okay. No, I'm joking. I, I just didn't know if this was a good year for books for you, bad not, year. Not really sure, to be honest. I should. Do you keep a tally? Yes. Right. Come on, you know how anal retentive yeah, I am. I was going to say. I, I also keep a list of all the movies I've seen. I should do, really. I'd like to do that, but... It's quite a... It's a year in review of... Oh, God, it was only two months ago I watched that. That felt, you know... I used to read so little that I just remember everything I read, but I read a lot more now, so... That's good. Well, no, because I keep forgetting what it is I've read. People are interested in... Um, Marxist theory. A very, I read a very good summation, which I thought pretty much nailed the various conflicts currently going on. Called, called. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. <laughs> Mute compulsion by Soren Mao. Mao Mo. I don't know. He's Danish. So. Oh, he's got Soren with the slash through oh, the. Yeah. Oh yeah, slashed o. <laughs> yeah. So that I enjoyed that. Yeah. What about you? 
How many books did you read? 63, which is really little for me. I think that sounds like quite a lot. I, I usually push up against... I rarely hit, but I'm usually quite close to 150. I, I don't know what was going on with me this year that I just... I, I had a hard time getting through books. It's just a bad year for reading. Any favourites? There was a late entry into the favourite book of the year. It's the last book I read, which was The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. She she wrote a book that I read before called Matrix. She does a lot with... Actually, it was very similar to The Scarlet Letter. A young Puritan girl commits a crime, runs out before they can catch her. They're all starving. She has to survive in the woods. It's, it's a real, like man versus nature sort of thing as she's like trying to run to find any other civilization see that doesn't sound very good because i want books but, to be about but it's very people just thinking but a lot. that's what it is it was very hallucinogenic and her sort of meditating on guilt and religion and her place in the universe thinking in a way that has no real peril or ramifications for anyone involved. okay well you wouldn't like it but <laughs> no, I, that does sound good yeah. i loved I'm it i'm joking that does sound good that's kind of sounds a bit like what this letter should be a little bit, yeah. yeah. But it was it was the last book I read, and I was like, yeah, I think this is topped out over everything. Um, do we want to do some listener letters? Hell yeah. Here they are, listeners. A big pad of letters from you, our loving audience, yeah. All right, give us one. Some people actually write in and don't listen to it. <laughs> that might be true. Actually, that has happened. Um, has it? Yeah, it was that one about the sandwiches. Oh, that's right. They were like, oh, I've not actually heard the show, but... uh, So here's another one from Repeat Offender. (laughs) More. It's never stopped being funny, that joke, does it? Hi again, just re-listening to your Q&A. I must have missed Daniel's comment about Thomas, goats breathe through their ears and ostriches eat metal. Nash. Yeah, I talked about Thomas Nash and the unfortunate traveller, and there are a lot of funny kind of, you know, oldie-worldy wrong factoids in it like that more like the episode on kafka i'd forgotten about the whipping scene undoubtedly linked to colonialism as kafka's uncle was a colonial administrator i didn't know that what, we, i don't what think we colony is that gonna be franz josef <laughs> land or something what <laughs> anyway if you fancy a slow death tinged with anti-irish sentiment please try the fairy queen or don't maybe don't so that's funny thank you more yeah more we had a little discussion about if we'd ever do the fairy queen and the answer was no. <laughs> That's supposed to be what one of the most boring books ever written. And while we could no doubt find some jokes to make, I don't want to put us through that. We have a message from Patty. And this is entitled Mystery Writer Smiley Face. You know, as soon as I hit send on my last message on your site, I was pretty sure my name wasn't on it. And you confirmed that suspicion during the end of your wrap up. I was glad to know you received it, albeit anonymously. Looking forward to another year of the podcast. Happy New Year. Ah, thanks, Patty. Happy New Year. Which one was that then? Sorry. That was the one where she had said that she had initially planned on reading every book um, before she listened to the episode. I gave up on that. How do you not remember that? That was literally the last episode we recorded. Don't know. Abby! Two exclamation marks. (laughs) Daniel! Three exclamation marks. (laughs) I'm just going to go on a tangent already. That's Towering Inferno, isn't it? That you get to go first, but I get three exclamation marks, you know, because we're both such egos. You know, they did that on the poster for the Towering Inferno. Yeah. Um, so, long. who's Steve McQueen and who's Paul Newman? Wait, are they in that? Is that who it is? I don't remember. Whatever. Long-time listener, first-time writer, and I have a question only you can solve. That's us. 
What makes this? I'm not going to be able to answer this. What makes some erotic thrillers good while others are so embarrassing? Why are Dorian Gray, The Gone Girl, and the works of Anais Nin and Henry Miller classics, while Fifty Shades and Saltburn are so cringe? And let's not forget Lady Chatterley, which is somehow in between, of course. Happy New Year and lots of love from your biggest fan, Elsie. That's Elsie. E-L-S-I-E, not just letter L, letter C. <laughs> First of all, I haven't read an Eisenhower and Henry Miller, but I kind of thought they were supposed to be a bit duff. I've never, I, I think I read some Eisenhower years ago, but I don't remember anything about it. I've never read Henry Miller. I just saw Saltburn and I didn't think it was cringe. I thought it was good fun. So maybe maybe I'm not the person to ask. Um, I think, I was, I was trying to think about this though, and... I think it lies somewhere in the fact that the sex scenes have to be exciting and kink-filled enough that it actually seems like it's a taboo being crossed, but not so much so that most of the audience is going to go, ugh. Mm. So I think that's why, like, Fifty Shades is considered a bit, like, embarrassing, because it, from what I understand, it's very vanilla dressed up as, like, the, the most debauched thing ever, and people are like, no, it's not. Whereas Saltburn, I think, had a couple of scenes that did make me wince a little all bit. All right, so it's all a kind of Shklovskian thing that you just have to be slightly more yeah. out there than the person watching is capable of imagining. Yeah, I think it's just you have to get the the kink right in it. I think you can have sexy things that aren't necessarily kinky, though. So oh, I yeah, would yeah. say... I mean, I don't know. I was just wondering if it was more like a kind of... Well, the eroticism anyway, not yeah. it. But there, there has to be something that seems to be a bit more than we've seen before something a bit new and exciting this is a really bland answer but i was thinking the fact that elsie thought that saltburn was cringe and you thought it was good maybe just sexuality is a yeah. very subjective sphere of life and so some people are going to be like yep and other people are going to be like no but that seems like a very yeah lazy way out of explaining that especially since so much of our sexuality is like projected on us by media culture well exactly i didn't find dorian gray or gone girl very sexy Trying to think, what's the sexiest book I've read? Possibly Soren Mao's Mute Compulsion. <laughs> now I say Mute Compulsion, that could sound a bit, so, something a bit sexy going on, I don't know. I, I'm really sorry, Elsie, we don't, we don't have an answer for you. I think it comes down to personal taste and the actual quality of the text around the eroticism. You know that Bad Sex Award? I love that. They yeah. stopped doing that, though. They don't uh, do that anymore. Really? I, I used to live for that. I remember Woody Guthrie was up for it posthumously, which <laughs> I thought was really funny. It was a bad scene. So, I don't know. Maybe ask the, the Bad Sex Award judges, Elsie. Okay. Now, I have a message from Anna on Instagram. And this was our joke about the, um, the Portuguese beef. The joke was that, like, who is our biggest Portuguese or Portuguese-speaking fan? Lucifer. Yes, be sure to get that in, Daniel. Um, the winner phone and the loser phone. <laughs> <laughs> and the big Portuguese beef off. Now, Anna, who's Brazilian and therefore speaks Portuguese, says, I'm going to get into the Portuguese beef because I'm pescatarian. Cue symbols. But then I think it's only for colonizers, right? Not for us from the colony? Nope, I'm expanding it to you, Anna. It's anyone who speaks Portuguese. Any lusophones as... Yes. Daniel is at pains to tell me anyone can vie for the biggest Portuguese speaking fan award. Even non-Portuguese speakers. Especially. Alright, and do we have one more letter? One more from our good pal Adrian Gentleman. God, why don't you and Adrian just get married already? 
Why indeed? I often ask myself. <laughs> uh, I mean, but, apart from her saying she's halfway around the world. Probably better for you, Adrienne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Adrienne says, congrats on the 50th. Assume that's episode. Looking forward to the next 50. Merry Christmas to the both of you. That letter came before Christmas. Thank you, Adrienne. Right, and now for our catch-up segment on Bad Goodreads, and we're going back to do Frankenstein. Beware, mortal, you will die of boredom. Ooga, booga, booga. One star. Very good, very good. Only reason I didn't give it negative stars is because I haven't figured out how to do it, and I have to go do sports. One star! Well, that's just all, doesn't it? The monster sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger, which just didn't fit because Arnold plays such lovable characters. One star. The monster does not sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, first of all. And even if it did sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you surely do not think that Mary Shelley based the monster on Arnold, right? Or on his lovability of characters that he plays. Because he was born 150 years later. What are you talking about? Time warp. That's the only explanation. Terminator. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the final one, which I think might be one of the strangest things I've ever seen mm-hmm. on Bad Goodreads, is we never find out where Frankenstein's monster pees, and I desperately need to know where he pees. <laughs> one star. <laughs> what? <laughs> I just thought you were writing his name in the snow. And now, some more analysis and outtakes from our episode on The Scarlet Letter. There's also this really weird thing about gender and beauty here. Hawthorne says women in those days were coarser, stouter, and much more akin to, quote, man-like Queen Elizabeth. And isn't it a shame that with every generation since, their beauty has decreased? You know, they're, they're getting now more into greater delicacy, and that's like a reduction of the beauty. And I just, I find that so weird that he associates this rough, masculine hardiness with the female beauty ideal. My ideal woman has a big beard, can wield a harpoon, um, <laughs> give us the Melville klaxon. That's, that's him talking about Melville. Oh, so you think it's the, you know... Queer reading. And queer reading, bit of whale song in the background. <laughs> I'm saying no, Melville, but I'm really saying yes. I'm really saying... <laughs> Do you remember those whale song records that yes, yeah. hairdressers had in the early 2000s? Didn't know hairdressers either. None of mine do. Well, you go to a barber, it's just, you know, let's get it started in here. It is stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Remixes of it lately. There was one also of uh, Rasputin, Lover of the Russian Queen, a remix of that, which I was surprised by. What, Boney M? Yeah. That doesn't need a remix. No. It's perfectly energetic on its own. Yeah. Boom, 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 I was like, talking to the bar, I was like, that's funny. But you just didn't, wasn't interested. Do you ever want to learn how to Cossack dance? Because you could mix that in with some disco and you'd be the coolest guy. At well, there was that sort of Cossack disco guy, wasn't there? I don't know. And they called, like, Genghis Khan. He was a Russian guy that did... He was a Cossack oh. disco guy. Oh. I think you should take that up. No, I think I've that should be your... Don't uh, I got the... The thigh strength. Yeah. Work on them quads, boy. I don't think it's enough just to be able to Cossack dance. Okay. I mean... I want all, all the perks of Cossacking, like whipping dissidents and none of the <laughs> harms like that. <laughs> in my youth i was a champion embroiderer ah. and the idea of embro- like i have embroidered so many letters in my day like because what was your favorite 
the big um that's i know you're taking the piss but i always quite like doing s's all right there's something quite satisfying about the, the rounding and filling them out i mean do we get into the real new england culture here like we talked about before with ethan Frome? do we get pickles do we get sugar on snow i see i still dispute the whole vermont i think that's great greater quebec right all the maple stuff I hate to say it, but no, it's, it was once shared, remember, by New Hampshire and New York and fought over. Because they didn't know what to do with this appendage of Quebec. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, you, see, you're looking to fight. And no, I'm, I'm not looking to fight. I'm just refusing to pick up my shield today. I just feel I get a different... I mean, I don't know anything about any of this stuff, right? I've never been there. But mm. that's sort of um, the coastal... Everybody's cod everyone's getting cod they look a bit like cod mm -hmm. and then you've got the inland maple stuff i feel like they're a bit of a different vibe going yeah because god knows maine doesn't have both of those well maine's a freak one as well though isn't it finish your background i'm <laughs> not right. um what's your favorite literary comet is it this literary comet Ooh. i think of this and pierre Bezikov. um i'm gonna go with the wake Ah, yes, that is a good bit, yeah. Listeners, please write in and tell us your favourite literary comets. I think that's a good That's motif. a good question. Yeah. Don't look up? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, people didn't really like that very much, did they? No. no I thought it was all right. I thought it was all yeah, right. Fine. Like, it's not yeah. the greatest film. I don't have any desire to watch it again, but I was perfectly happy to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a downer at the end. Yeah, he's got, he's got a real gift of the gab. Reverend Dimsdale practically speaks in Garamond. Your favourite typeface. That is my favourite typeface. Listeners, write in what's your favourite typeface, or font, if you will. But write in only in Garamond, please. Um, please. Not mine. Let's put it that way. It's fine for a cafe or something, but... Daniel and I have had a... F yeah. How long did we fight about that? Was it something akin to, what, two or three months? It was for students as well, wasn't it? Yeah, we, we fought about Serif versus Sans Serif, and um, I guess I had a lot of time in those days. Yeah. <laughs> The 1990s Scarlet Letter version got a lot of crap for being like a, a more sort of erotic, thrillery, actiony thing. But they actually at least put the work into making it seem like these these people had really was, good chemistry. Yeah, I was thinking that about adaptations because I don't think I've seen any adaptations. But there's that high school one as well, isn't there? Easy A or something. And I was just thinking that's that's actually a really good adaptation. I'm, wow, I'm sure it is, but. You'd have to change it completely to make a film of this, really. This is just the bare bones of a film. Yes. Because you, you couldn't do all of the mithering that the book does. Because film doesn't lend itself to that, really. It's, it's much more about her interacting in a social sphere yeah. and a lot less... Psychological. Yeah. Psychological in the literal sense, where it's like to do with the soul. That's always such a... Um, a beloved trope of mine where it's like we're gonna take this classic work of literature we're gonna set it in high school it's gonna follow the barebone plot but they're studying the book in school very good you know i always really uh, there's something quite charming about that to me it's so obvious it's so stupid all right daniel because i don't know how long this episode's gonna be i have some much more general questions for you do you have any books that we've covered on this show that you think would make a good stage musical? Is there a musical of the Canterbury Tales? I don't know, but that'd be a lot of songs. Well, you wouldn't have to do it all, but I like... I don't know, I think that would be quite fun to have a, at least the general prologue. 
I could see that yeah. actually. Depends on the kind of music, doesn't it? I don't mm-hmm. want something like Stephen Sondheim, Gulliver's Travels. No. <laughs> I mean, I've got nothing against Stephen Sondheim, but it sounds a bit too clever, clever f- for my liking. I'm more of a kind of Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of guy, you know. Are just, you Just now? a basic bitch. Go on then, what about you? I was thinking that both Beowulf and Paradise Lost have a great potential for a rock opera. Hmm, yeah. Um, I'm wondering about 1984, you could have a Newspeak song. That'd be kind of funny, wouldn't it? Didn't David Bowie do a concept album for 1984? Didn't he start to write a music? Didn't he write a musical of 1984? Oh God, that guy, right. <laughs> right, should, should we move on then? Daniel, what are you currently reading, watching, playing? I'm reading Adorno's lectures on dialectics. It hurts my heart talking to you sometimes. <laughs> I was also reading... Oh, sorry, it's always just all on the same thing. China Mieville's sort of novelized history of the Russian Revolution. Okay. Which I thought was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many parties and they're all running around in different rooms of some palace and all kind of setting up rival power groups. I'm just like, what? <laughs> but I thought, I was like, oh, I need to know more about the Russian Revolution. What about you? What are you reading? I just finished today Notes on an Execution by Danya Kukovka. So that is a really interesting take on the male serial killer crime genre. Mm. So it's definitely a thriller, but it makes a point of not focusing on him and instead it focuses on all the women in his life. Uh, yes. So his his sister-in-law, his niece, his mother, um, his foster sister, the detective who catches him, it's largely from their perspectives and we can see the effects he has, but whenever it shows him, the thing I really liked about it was Whenever it cuts to him, he thinks about his brilliance and his big treaty and his big philosophical, like, Mm. thesis. And everyone else around him was like, yeah, he was kind of really average. Yeah, it's kind of... And it's really funny because, like, his big ideas are very basic, regurgitated. Like, what if there are alternate, like, universes Mm. where people make... And you're just like, it's a bit basic. That sounds like it would upset me. I I, I really like it, though, that it undercuts the myth of... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a bit like um, that book about the women that got killed. This is a historical history book, isn't it? But that recent book about the women that got killed by Jack the Ripper. It the, is it the five? Yeah, I can't remember so, how many something it was. Like There's that. a number, isn't it? Isn't yeah. It? But just that idea of, on, on a, in political terms, that idea of shifting the focus away from the subject. Well, there was that Jack the Ripper museum that sprung up a couple of years ago in London. I, I know there are many of them around, but there was the big one. And I think it was Dr... Fern Riddell went to it and she's like I'm gonna document this she's like I don't feel good about it because it's already focused it's like the Jack the Ripper museum it's already focusing on him and his mystique but she said the amount of information they had about the women was dreadful Mm -hmm. and she's like I'm gonna do like a Twitter thread that has more information than the museum. And she did like she just reeled it off like all of these things about these women and their lives and uh, you know circumstances about yeah and it's just yeah. the fetishizing it's also that's so perverse isn't it because again in keeping with this book it's like bad i know museum isn't literature but it's like bad a bad telling isn't it because it's more if you have a mysterious figure you can only really flesh them out by c- contextualizing them i was thinking it's a bit like dracula isn't yeah. it dracula is really good in part because he remains an unknown quantity but we have like we kind of paint the space around him yes and I mean, I know that's that, that's against the spirit of what Fern Riddell was saying, but 
you can kind of like you get a greater sense of Jack the Ripper by talking by what we do know but apparently they had rooms about like this is probably what his bedroom would look like and she's like what the we don't know who he is that's obviously just rubbish like tourist trap it was it was a yeah Yeah, done in really bad faith yeah are you watching anything good at the moment uh (laughs) were you watching an udder lower from the sky what was that Um, watching things. Mainly watch quiz programs. Okay. Films. Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget, of course. <laughs> um, you were punching that time card. Yeah, yeah. Go on, you. I was. I wanted to update my uh, New Year's Eve tradition. Ah, uh, yes. I watch a film from hundred years ago for the upcoming year so this year i watched a film from 1924 and i watched the thief of baghdad with douglas fairbanks in it it also had anime wong in it and this is only my second anime wong i thought you meant like manga anna hyphen may (laughs) (laughs) no for those who don't know anime wong she was the first chinese american like silent film superstar yes and she's fabulous and she plays the sort of of course duplicitous mongol servant of the princess you know who sells her out anime wong she definitely stole the film from the girl who was playing the princess but i think this was her first big role but yeah it was great douglas fairbanks it was almost like a ballet like he's amazing to watch like every move he just he he looks like he's about to break into dance his his physicality was so incredible what about games? Have you finished Red Dead Redemption 2? Yeah. Did you cry? No. I was a bit sad because I knew that what the plot of the original mm-hmm. one is. Are you going to play the original now? Well, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, not. maybe like in a year or something. But I was going to carry on doing all the extra quests, but so far I haven't. There's a transcendentalist guy in there, isn't there? A kind of parody of Emerson. Mm-hmm. Could I ask what your final verdict was then on Red Dead 2? Because when I used to bring it in and play it, a couple of years back you would eat your lunch and watch me play it which i always thought was very that was very like sweet that you'd be like can i watch yeah, and i'm like yeah, sure it's obviously really good yeah but your big verdict was oh i don't want to play that it has too much of that dreadful plot i hate plot yeah the plot was actually what kept me going i think the plot the thing you loathe famously on this <laughs> show is the thing that got you through it yeah it, it's won me around it's a good day for me it's a good day for gamers everywhere. It's a good day for America. <laughs> what about you? I just wrapped up playing Pentiment, which is a, a short little game, but it's utterly fascinating. It's, you know, you're a scribe in 1512 at a monastery, but you're not part of the monastery. You're sort of a journeyman scribe. And it's a murder mystery game over the course of 20 years where these mysterious deaths keep happening. And there's no right answer. Mm. So you have to sort of, and there is like a time limit, like you can only investigate so many avenues. So you have to be really savvy about like who I'm having lunch with this day and who I decide to tail. Um, And then you just have to make your best guess. But they said they deliberately made it. So like there's reasonable doubt and, you know, reasonable suspicion for all of them. And it, but it changes the gameplay as you go on. But it's great because you see like, oh, the, the, the pagan people before then and then, oh, we've built up Roman ruins around that. Oh, but that's collapsed. And now we've built up the medieval period around that and that's collapsed. And now, you know, we still have this monastery, but we're moving towards the printing press a lot more and we don't mm. need scratch. And so it's, it's a great like palimpsestic 
yeah. game where things are built on top of things. That's clever. Yeah. All right, then. Well, we will be sort of tweaking the format of the show, adding things, changing things as we sort of figure it out as we go. But yeah, thank you guys. And we, we will happily take any suggestions you have on board if there's stuff you'd like us to do or talk about in the bookends episode. Right. Do you have anything else, Daniel? I can put the sole on my boot up again. I'll just do that now. <laughs> no, I don't want to see There it is. <laughs> just tap the microphone with Could my I boot. Please get a picture of that. No. It's the magic. It's got to be about the magic. <laughs> just let, listen up. I really did it. I just didn't know you were that flexible. It's not that hard. Thanks for listening to Save Me From My Shelf. Our music is The Overture to Don Giovanni by Mozart. And cover art is by Catherine Wu. Our thanks to Aston University's Centre for Critical Inquiry and to Society and Culture for funding the startup of this podcast. Contact us at savemefrommyshelf at gmail.com or at smfms underscore podcast on Twitter. And do not, I'm going to remind you, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Do not forget. Thank you.